Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kurkowski. Thanks so much for joining me today. All right, so in this episode, I connect with Don Moxley. Don's the Director of Applied Science and Development at Longevity Labs. Don's been a leader in researching training and lifestyle for living a long, strong, and healthy life, which has led him to some amazing knowledge in HRV and athlete readiness statistics. So training for longevity, it's one of those terms that's grown in popularity, but like everything like that, it's often misinterpreted. So I was pumped to have Don come on and shed some clear light on what longevity is and why HRV is so important to monitor in our training. All right, so with that, we'll get right to it. If you like this episode, you want to show the podcast some love, please rate and review it wherever you listen to it. And don't forget to subscribe. You can catch all new episodes that are dropped every week. All right, thank you very much, guys. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, Don Moxley. Welcome to the show. How are you? I am. I am great. I am so excited to be here. I mean, when we got connected and I started to look at your guest list, I am honored to be part of it. So thank you. Um, you know, you're legit. You got a good thing. So I'm excited to be here. Oh, I really, I really appreciate that. And uh, shout out to Eric Malzone for the connection on it. Eric's one of my favorite people uh, to chat with. And uh, no, I really, I'm really excited to chat with you. I've got a chance to connect with you before, see the work that you're doing in Mm -hmm. applied science and just the, you know, HRV is something I've been always been interested in. I know as coaches, it's such a vital thing, but often kind of misinterpreted what exactly it is the same kind of thing with longevity, which are the things that you, you know, dive into now with longevity labs and, um, you know, and spermidine. So, uh, yeah, no, this is going to be a really fun conversation. I got to say though, you are doing something that has been something that's I've wanted to do forever, which is you're traveling around the country right now in an RV with your wife. How did that happen? Was that something you guys planned for a while or was it just kind of sperm of the moment? It, 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 it was not planned. Uh, what happened was um, my wife, I've, I've, I married my wife 33 years ago. We've been together for about 35 years. Uh, so, you know, for a long time. And 26 years ago, she and I were skiing out in Colorado. She was a school teacher. I was a university professor at the time. And we're looking, we're at Copper Mountain up in Summit County, Colorado, and we're in this real estate office, look, just looking at property. And I'm like, you know, we could do this if you wanted. And, and we started thinking about it, but we wind up coming back to Ohio. And it was shortly thereafter, we found out we were pregnant. Mm. Um, so all our families back East. So we stayed there, raised our daughter, um, our daughter, uh, you know, she gets out of high school. She went to Ohio state, uh, played lacrosse there, and COVID ended her senior year. So COVID kicks in, okay. ends her senior year. She moves back home with us and did grad school during COVID. Mm. And then um, January 2nd, a year ago, she, she's, she's, uh, uh, she accepts a position as an assistant coach with Northwestern Women's Lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And she moves out January 2nd, a year ago. And I looked at my wife, I go, okay, she's not coming back. We're, I mean, we're done. And, and, and Michael, I do a lecture where I talk about the three thirds of your life. You spend the mm-hmm. first third of your life learning. And then you spend the second third of your life in service to others, whether it's work or raising a family or things like that, but you're serving mm-hmm. others. Well, your third third is your third. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and, and January 2nd, when we moved our daughter to Chicago, my wife and I started our third third. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, so all of a sudden it's our time. And, and 
Ohio was a great place to grow up. It was a great place to raise a family. We raised our daughter in this great little town called Granville, Ohio, mm-hmm. where Denison University is. It's it's freaking Mayberry. I mean, it was a beautiful place to raise a child. Mm. But I don't want to die there. Um, right. And I, I've always said that if I hit the lottery, I would probably spend my last days running a spa in northern New Mexico. Um, and, and so Jacqueline moves out and I look at my wife, I go, you know, it's time we can do whatever we want now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we, we knew we probably wanted to come West into the mountains. Okay. We have family in Seattle. We have family, you know, we have family all over. And I just said, we don't know where we want to be. So let's go, let's go look at an RV. Let's go try these places yeah. out. And, you know, literally the universe just kept putting things in our lap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she moved out the second. We made the decision to sell the house, but probably by the seventh or eighth, the house was sold on the 21st. Okay. I mean, it, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden, and COVID, um, RVs got tough to find during yeah. COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden, this great RV drops in our lap and it's, our, listen, I'm recording in, in my office in my RV. That's a sauna over yeah. my shoulder. We've got a Peloton. We've got a great setup. It's very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and so we're right now we're traveling the country looking for our next home. Um, That's so great. That's so right cool. now we're in uh, Cottonwood, Arizona, just south of Sedona. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wake up in the morning and take the dog for a walk and the, the scenery is just gorgeous. It's 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 awesome. So yeah, that's what we're doing. That's so cool. I love the thirds, as you said, right? It reminds me of Robert Greene's like three phases of mastery right there. It's kind yeah. of, you did your apprenticeship, then the creative side, the serving others. Now you're in the mastery zone. It's like, we can go where, wherever we want. We're, yeah. We're, it's been, it's been so far. We're, we're about nine months into this. Um, we've been, you know, we've been on the road since Easter last year. Um, and it's, it's really, listen, there are beautiful places in this country. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned Eric Malzone, we, um, Mm -hmm. the company I'm working with right now is based in Denver. So when we started our trip, we spent an extraordinary amount of time in in Colorado. Yep. And, and we like Colorado a lot. That could be our home, but, um, we were on our way to Seattle after that. And so we, I have a friend in Wyoming and someone in Utah, and I, and our realtors, the cool part was our realtors, when we sold the house, they called us and they said, Hey, are you guys around? We want to drop by. And mm-hmm. they came by and they said, listen, for our guests, we always buy them a gift. And they said, you guys are impossible because you don't need shit. And, <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, we're, we're downsizing dramatic, you know, we're going yeah. from 2000 square feet to 450. Right. Um, and um, they handed us a national parks pass and and it was like, wow. Um, oh, and that's now, awesome. so I'm, I'm in, I'm in Utah and Wyoming mm-hmm. and we're on our way to uh, Washington. And I just said, to, I said to my wife, Laura, I said, well, let's just run up to Kalispell. Let's run up to Montana and go see Glacier. Mm-hmm. And Eric is up in that area. So yep. I got mm-hmm. to go have coffee with Eric one morning in Whitefish. And that's, that's the really cool part. So right now we're in Sedona. Mm-hmm. We're in Vegas next week for a little bit, but then we're going over to Yosemite for three weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I've got my Starlink satellite. I put it up. I can mm-hmm. connect from just about anywhere. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I recommend it. 
I think it's so awesome. I mean, nowadays too, with the uh, with the opportunity of technology and working from anywhere, it's like it's such right. the perfect time, you know, right. to do it and just see. And everybody talks about. I mean, travel is like the greatest experience and the education that you can get. But you don't have to go overseas to it. We've got so much right here in the continental forty eight that you can right, see. Right. It's just a beautiful. And you can't listen. I, I'm. I, I heard a stat one time. You know, this is a little bit off topic, but I think yeah. since we're there, like less than ten percent of Americans have a passport. And less than 10% of the people that have a passport have a stamp from outside the country. Um, I think part, listen, we all talk about the challenges that we have in 2023 right now and all the stuff that's going on. And um, the more time you spend getting to know people that are not like you, the kinder, the more empathy you develop, the the change in your perspective, I think it's a good thing to do. Um, So I I highly recommend it. And this is just, you know, that we're just doing it in this country. And like I said, there are places in this country that are just absolutely freaking amazing. Yeah, well, it is. And I think just the the psychological aspect of longevity, I think there's some merit to it of going on in there, of seeing different perspectives. You know, I talk about that with people in health and fitness, like don't just niche yourself into just one modality. That's why I love this podcast so much, because I've mm-hmm. talked to many different people who I had no idea about that facet or what they do, but you learn about it and you can apply different things with it. It's such a, there's so much knowledge that we can absorb in this world and it just kind of benefits your life. So just scratching the surface. (laughs) This is, this is the thing, you know, when I went, you know, when I, I started professionally as a strength coach, that was, that was literally one of my first jobs out of grad school. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, we thought we knew it all. Um, you know, you know, and we've done it, had the research. I I tell people, I believe this wholeheartedly. I think I learned more last year than I had my entire life before that. Wow. And, And I expect to learn more next year than I have prior. The, it is, it is absolutely a logarithmic process. Um, you know, we're talking about a concept here. We're, we're, we'll spend some time talking about sure. HRV, which we've known about HRV since the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's, it's just coming into play as a functional modality for strength coaches, exercise scientists, sports scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect with, with wearable technology and the things that's going on, I expect our understanding it's more than double. I mean, like I said, that's what what happens with long logarithmic learning Mm -hmm. and, and you have to stay plugged in to, to be able to take advantage of this. Yeah. What do you, you said that with like the last year you've learned more than like your previous, you know, just whole career in this, what do you equate that to? Is it the amount of data that we can understand and track or kind of, can you tell me a little more about that? I think it's part of it. Um, You know, I go back to, you know, my background again, my background, I started off as a strength coach, but that mm-hmm. was, that was my passion. Um, as an athlete, I, you know, I wrestled at Ohio state back in the early eighties. Right. Yep. Um, w- when I started, I was a big weight cutter. I would cut from like 220 to 177. Mm. Um, and, and this is, remember, there's been a lot happening in wrestling with weight cutting since then, but, um, just but the I health, just the health issues and stuff that are going on with it or, well, health issues or lack thereof. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of misinformation too. There's a mm-hmm. lot of dogmatic bullshit. Yep. Um, 
but um, but I had but I was struggling with injuries early when I was when that was my strategy. When I when I went for help, listen, I was blessed. Um, when I went for help to find out how do I get stronger, I had this I had this I had this amazing experience with three or four people. Um, the strength coach at Ohio State at the time, his name was Steve Bliss. And Steve was one of the early founders of the NSCA. Right. Um, so they had a program that we were able to plug ourselves into in grad school, which was really cool. Um, one of the guys that was in the program ahead of me was a guy by the name of Ted Lambernides. And if you've been around the strength game very long, you you probably cross paths with Ted. Ted was one of the early I mean, we were going from Columbus down to Cincinnati where Nautilus Leverage was, which eventually became Hammer Strength. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're interacting with a lot of uh, 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 Dan Riley from the Redskins was coming in. Mm-hmm. He'd been at Penn State and gone to the Redskins. So we have this emergence of this hit high intensity training yep. uh as as compared to the Nebraska philosophy, squats, bench, deadlift kind of right. thing. Okay. So we have two schools of thought that are emerging. And and at the time, some people were picking and choosing. Um, I mm. think that's a huge mistake. Um, but so we have Ted and then my a good friend of mine that I wrestled with, his roommate was a guy by the name of Kevin Akins. And Kevin at the time had the third longest shot in the world. Um, he threw for Nike, Nike track club. He threw at Ohio state and I'm over at their apartment one night and, and, and Kevin goes, you want to get strong. I'll show you where you get strong. And the next day he takes me to this place on the West side of Columbus and meet this guy named Lou Simmons. Um, so I, I know I walk, that name. Yeah. I, I walk into Lou Simmons's garage. This is before West side was West side. And here's this group of six or seven guys cycling through doing thousand pound double squats. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, man, we are not in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, that's an education so, in an hour right there. Oh my yeah. God. Well, I got to train with Lou. Okay. Mm-hmm. So because of my connection with Kenny, with, um, with, with Kevin, I got to, tr- you know, literally I cut my teeth in early strength you know, at the feet of Lou Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I had a great uh, professor at Ohio State. His name was Dr. Robert Bartels. And Bob was, um, he was a swimmer at Ohio State back in the late 50s. He was a coach in the 60s. And Ohio State swimming in the 60s was real. I mean, most of the Olympic team in, in the Tokyo Olympics was an Ohio State swimming team. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and, and Bob was taking guys from Ohio state down to the downtown YMCA in Columbus doing strength training, kind of on the lowdown. Um, and remember strength in the seventies and eighties was not well understood. And, right. and there were still a lot of people pushing back. Um, so I've got these, I've got these pioneers um, that I get, I, that I get connected with. My college roommate was Chip Morton, who was, you know, he was a 20-year strength coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my classmates was Ken Manny, who was at Michigan State forever, and Mark Asanovich, who was, you know, in the pros for a long time. So we had this really unique combination of, of great guys, good thinkers. Right. And that's where I got started. Wow. And I was like, holy moly. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize where I was. Um, you never kind of, you never kind of do on those tables, right. Of where it's like, yeah, it's a legendary dinner table right there. When you, with the pushback, um, since you lived through it and you kind of, and you were training through it, 
with the pushback on kind of the, the heavy training and stuff back in the seventies, mm-hmm. eighties, what was that from? Was it from more coaches like thinking that it was going to turn more into bodybuilding and it wasn't for athletic development or well, it was bodybuilding. Remember this is, you know, the early strength guys went to weightlifters. Mm-hmm. Listen, um, we, we can talk more about this as we go, but there's an exercise in strength and conditioning called the bench press. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it is nearly a valueless exercise. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my position on it. And I, and I can defend that position, but it's probably the dominant. It's the dominant meme in the science. Yep. Um, now, where did it come from? Well, strong guys, you know, back um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the original strength coach at Nebraska. I'll, his name will come to me in a minute, but you know, he was, he was a track and field athlete, struggled with injuries, goes to a weight room, learns to get strong. Well, the guys in the weight room back then were doing squats and bench and deadlift. Mm-hmm. They were doing the classic strength exercises. Right. Um, and that, listen, that, that imprinted our science. Um, now I don't listen. I, Again, you heard me say it. I think I think a bench press is a valueless exercise, mm-hmm. um, but literally, it's the first thing everybody does when they walk into a weight room. It Monday, Monday me, afternoon <laughs> makes me crazy. Yeah, um, and you know this even goes back to when I, I was a sports scientist at Ohio State, mm-hmm. uh, twenty fifteen through twenty eighteen. Um, we measured three and a half million data points on a wrestling team in one season and run back and ran correlations. We had a really cool process that with some help from some guys at the air force research lab in Dayton, Mm -hmm. um, we took our team and we broke them into three groups. Um, one was, uh, all American or better, which included all Americans, Olympic gold medalists. I mean, we had, it was a great group of guys. I had nine guys in that group. I had a group of guys about 12, that were good enough to have started for us, but never good enough to make all American for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. So that was cohort two. And then we had a third cohort of guys who had never started for us. Mm -hmm. And these are very talented wrestlers. These are people who practice with groups one and two every day, multiple times state champions, but for some reason they were not able to make that transition. Mm -hmm. So we went back and started measuring. We said, okay, what is the physiological characteristic that separates Group one from group two to group three. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. This is something I think every strength coach should do. First mm-hmm. of all, I think you should stop calling yourself a strength coach. And you should start right. calling yourself a sports scientist. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk more about that as we go. Sure. Mm-hmm. But we get caught up in the dogmatic nature of strength and conditioning. I'm a hit guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. When I teach this, I said, this is religion. I said, I said, you're Baptist, Methodist, or Catholic, you all read the same damn book. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, but don't feel a need to build a building for yourself just because you're, you're using the same book. Right. Um, and this is, and so the question is, is what makes a difference? Right. Well, mm-hmm. with wrestling, mm-hmm. what do you think the number one predictor of your ability to move between groups is mm-hmm. in all physiological parameters? Cardiovascular fitness. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's it's it was your. I mean, VO Mm two selected whether you move from group three to group two, group two to group one. It was the strongest one. Everyone's like, wrestling is an anaerobic sport, right? All energy is aerobic. Okay, you have to know that all energy eventually becomes aerobic, and 
And we hypothesized that the better wrestlers with the higher VO2s had the ability to recover better between flurries. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Wrestling's a flurry sport. You go hard, you go out of bounds, you get control or you are controlled. You have a break. So the person that recovers better. So we started coaching recovery. Um, Mm. And, and, and this was, this was a really big deal for us to figure this out. Then, and, and your ability strength, um, strength, endurance selected from group two to group three, Uh, your ability Mm -hmm. to do pull-ups, your ability to do a weighted head. So we would take their body weight, divide it in half and put dumbbells in their hands, see how long they could hold them. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, We would see how long they could hold a plank um, muscular endurance, those selected for group two to group one, um, your ability to deadlift 2.25 times your body weight selected for your ability to move from group three to group two. Okay. Um, now how's that apply to a strength coach? Okay. Once you can deadlift two and a half times your body weight, we quit focusing on it. Okay. You cross, I mean, you're there. There was no benefit to three, three and a half. We had it. And, and, bench press selected nothing. In fact, it's an inverse relationship. The better your bench, the worse you wrestled. Really? Um, okay. And I, listen, it doesn't take long to look around a weight room for most sports to figure out the guy with the best, be- biggest bench rarely sees the field. Right. Um, uh, so um, now you hear, I remember that they said that with the combine too, like the NFL combine, like they have these guys, as soon as they pass maybe like 20 reps or so, all the coaches, they just look the other way because it doesn't matter any extra reps on top of what you can do. If you hit the standard, that's all they're looking for. Anything and above that doesn't equate to any more good stuff. There's on a the field. great paper out there. There's a great paper in the, if you do a literature review on this, that basically shows everything they measure at the combine. None of it predicts your ability to succeed as a pro. Yeah. It's a, it's an entertainment event now. Okay. Right. The, the combines. And now listen, there's, there's a business that's built up around it. And again, it's, I, I call it an entertainment event. I don't think it changes draft positions. I mean, you know, once, you know, listen, the, the combine is, is an NFL production. Yeah. Much like the pro bowl. Exactly. Which, you know, um, so now I recognize that it's, it's one of the things that you got to go through in the pageant of drafting. Um, right. It's a beauty. It's, it's the swimsuit competition, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you need to be in shape to look good in your swimsuit, but it yep. doesn't select for who wins the Miss America. 100. Um, yep. And um, so that, that's, that's the interesting part. So, you know, kind of pull it back. Yeah. I, I think it's a mistake to get, I, I think strength coaches get caught up in dogma. And I think this is a huge problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Number one. Number two is, and the reason I say this, Michael, is that, listen, at some point in time, there's someone listening to this that's young, trying to be a professional, trying to work their way up. Here's what we know. If you want to be a big time strength coach, you got to attach yourself to a coach and that coach mm-hmm. will bring you along with you. Right. Um, your ability to select a coach is more important than what you know about strength and conditioning. Right. Um, unfortunately, I mean, and I'm just speaking truth here. 100. Yeah. Um, and, um, but your ability to take an individual, I mean, listen, you get a fixed number of athletes, right? Um, for, and, and, uh, this is where I go back to, 
in wrestling, we have 9.9 scholarships. I have 10 weight classes, 9.9 scholarships. Okay. At Ohio State, they have this thing called next man up. Okay. We've mm-hmm. probably heard this. It, that term pisses me off. Okay. Um, because that term basically makes athletes disposable. Right. Okay. You're hurt, next man up. Okay. Mm. And and you get thrown on the onto the wood pile. And you oh, let the trainers take care of this, which I think is absolutely malpractice. Um, as a wrestling coach, I don't have that benefit. My my Olympic gold medalist heavyweight, I don't have a next man. Yeah, right. There's no there's no okay. other that's one on one. Yeah. And oh, by the way, every one of my weight classes has someone like this. As much as I'd love to have a third string heavyweight that can step in the way third string quarterbacks do, it is unrealistic. Okay. And, 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 and so I can't have that philosophy. My philosophy has to be, if you step into my room, I'm doing everything in my power to help you be successful. Right. Okay. That starts by, by eliminating injury as an issue. Okay. That's number one, far and beyond. Um, So this, this is the challenge. So the question is, what are the characteristics that give an individual the ability to be successful in sport. Now, let's extend that. Sure. Now I'm in a place where I'm working in longevity. Okay, so it's exercise science and longevity. Mm -hmm. What are the characteristics that really lead to long life, long healthy life? Okay, well, it turns out the characteristics may be very similar. Um, There's certainly a different in intensity but your mm-hmm. ability, your ability to live long and healthy, increase health span, increase lifespan, your ability to move, critical. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hack movement with exercise. Yep. The thing that will, the the, the thing that, uh, listen, if you can get through heart disease, decline mm-hmm. in the immune system, um, declines in your neurological performance, things. Like, if you can get through that, the thing that will probably end your life will be a broken bone. Yeah. You'll fall, falling, break mm-hmm. a bone and that'll be and now that, that that's the beginning of the end. Mm. You fall because you're not strong. Yeah. Okay, it's a loss of strength. So so your ability to maintain strength through life not only is critical for athletic performance, but it's also critical for longevity. Mm. Okay. Uh so number 2, longevity. My sec I call it the rocks in the jar. Um, my second rock yep. in the jar is nutrient dense food. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about proteins, fats, and carbohydrates where the dogma of, of nutrition is right now. Everyone's right. you know counting carbs. Okay. It's, it's not that it's about micronutrients. Okay. It's about mm-hmm. the, it's about the micronutrients that go into this. And, and in fact, we're probably wrong about high fat diets. We're probably wrong. When we look at ketogenics and we look at some of these things that are associated with longevity, you know, proteins, fats, carbohydrates, certainly we consume way too many processed carbohydrates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Um, but we still have a food injury uh, industry that's putting a water bottle on every sideline we see with a big fat G on it. And when you walk into the gas station mm-hmm. on your trip, you see a bottle of, of with a G on it that's really a flat Pepsi. Right. Okay. It's, it's a bottle of sugar. 
that they've put some electrolytes into to make it to differentiate. But, but literally, listen, when you look at the diet, when you look at the data, Mm -hmm. there's no performance enhancement that comes with the consumption of most of these sports drinks um, until, until at least four to six hours after the event. Um, Mm -hmm. So at, at a minimum. Um, So nutrient dense food. Okay. That's the second rock. The third Mm -hmm. rock critical. This applies to both your ability to sleep and recover. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your ability to sleep and recover. You cannot hack it. You cannot hack bad sleep. You have to recognize Mm -hmm. the value. We, we have, we had a really nice program. So we measured HRV in an athlete that had four beers before they went to bed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And four beers is not a lot for a college athlete. Right. It it cut the quality of sleep in half. Mm. So nine hours of sleep with four beers delivered the equivalent of sleeping four and a half hours without. Who can function on four and a half hours sleep? Yeah. Not optimal. Yeah. (laughs) Not optimal. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And, and, and alcohol is alcohol is an issue. And, and, you know, Michael, I go back to listen. When I was in school, I was I enjoyed I enjoyed my time yeah. at Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, we spent a lot of time in the social scene. Um, and you know what? The challenge is this: is I could go out till two in the morning. Um, I could wake up for a six a.m. run. I could get through the run. In fact, I could probably beat most of the people on my team, and I'm probably still drunk. Right. Um, <laughs> That doesn't mean it's just because you can get through the workout doesn't mean it's contributing to development. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I think that's that difference, right? Between being able to function and what is actually optimal from there. It's like what's moving the needle. Yeah. What's moving the needle. What's really, what's really making the difference. Then, and then my fourth rock Mm -hmm. as is, and this is, this is a relatively new rock for me. It's light. It's um, I believe the evidence Listen, over my shoulder, you see a red light panel. This is yep. a red light, near infrared, and red light panel. Um, light, you have to treat light as a nutrient. And there is good light and there is bad light. When we look at the light that the screens that we're looking at right now create, you know what? Those throw your circadian rhythm off, which affect your sleep. Um, are we, I don't know about you, but I feel good when my skin is brown. Um, mm. and, um, I now listen, we're, you know, we're the dead of winter. I'm out in Arizona. I'm not getting much ultraviolet light on my skin. I'm yeah. getting near infrared ultraviolets is what triggers the melanin response. Um, but I think we have to treat light and I think light is a secret weapon. Um, yeah. we, I started seeing this when I was at Ohio state. Uh, we had some technology that came in from, again, from the air force research lab, um, and then I've really started to dig into this since I've left. And um, it's, it's part of my routine. I invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, and then those, those four rocks, I'm not saying that's the only thing I'm saying. Those are the four big those rocks. Are the big rocks. Get Throw in the those in first. first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the jar is purpose. The jar mm-hmm. is your goals. Um, if you're an athlete, my jar when I was an athlete was to be a big 10 and national champion. That was my jar. Mm-hmm. Um, in the absence of a goal, in the absence of a purpose, the environment around you will force you to move less, to eat worse, to sleep less and not get light. 
That's just the nature of our modern environment. Mm. Um, and it takes purpose to make the decision. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to hack movement with exercise. I'm going right. to get nutrient dense food, which I, which I believe requires supplementation at this point. It doesn't require supplementing protein, which is where most of that market is, but it certainly means supplementing micronutrients. And we'll talk more about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to, you have to respect sleep and the sleep environment. Sleep in a cave, get rid of the light, keep it cold. Um, there's there's lots of things to go towards that. And then finally, you've got to get light. Um, you've got mm-hmm. to get light on the skin. You know, we, we want to say light in the eyes too. Yeah. In the eyes on the skin. It's, it's our entire system works off of light and the circadian rhythm. And um, in the absence of purpose, in the absence of a goal, you don't have the tools that you need to compete against the environment. Mm. That's so So, interesting. It's, it is, I mean, that, that term biohack is out there. And I think oftentimes we, we misinterpret it as thinking it's a quick fix or it's a shortcut. It's like, no, it's the, it's the, I like what you said. It's the big rocks in the jar. These are the things that you, everything else is the small pebbles or the sand that you throw in on top of it. We get caught up, we get caught up in sand and pebbles and what, you know, and and anyone who wonders about this analogy that we're using, it comes from Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people which I think is if you're going to be a successful professional, that needs to yep. be part of your milieu of reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, we get caught up and, and right now what, what's been really interesting in this field that I've moved into, I was at the third NSCA conference. Mm. Okay. I was at the second URSA conference where club management, where these things come mm-hmm. from, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to have, to have seen these, this biohacking space, this thing that we're calling biohacking feels a lot like the early fitness and, cl- and, 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 um, and strength business. Okay. I mean, it really feels trying to find the right, the niches. What, what are the tools that we can use to optimize? Yep. Um, what, you know, where's the little secret weapons? What is really true? Um, what, again, you know, again, dogmatically, we have West side. Okay. And, and, you know, we lost Louie this year, but we, we still have a great legacy of what West side training techniques sure. are. Mm-hmm. Um, but is West side the best way for all athletes to train? Well, someone in the West side church would say, yes, mm-hmm. um, that's Catholic. Um, right. <laughs> um, then the someone, Protestants over here are saying something different. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and Michael, I think the input, here's what I've learned along mm-hmm. the way. We had our last major extinction event in on the face of the earth almost 40 million years ago. Mm-hmm. But 40,000 years ago, Homo sapiens, our ancestors, outdistanced um, Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we outdistanced Neanderthals because we could adapt better than Neanderthals could. So the, 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 the genesis of our genetic advantage is the ability to adapt. To adapt. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to adapt anymore. We live in houses that are climate controlled. We, live, we go from our car, and I, 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 I do a lecture where I show an orca in the wild and an orca in captivity. And orcas in captivity, their dorsal fins are largely always turned over. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not enough environmental force 
in an aquarium that the orca lives in for it to express its DNA of a straight dorsal fin. Right. Well, the question is, in our engineered environments that we're in, what adaption are we eliminating that we have to hack back in for our DNA? And it's possible that your DNA, in the absence of extinction, there is no evolution. There's only diversity. With a big extinction event, there will be evolution at that point. A set of characteristics will move through that. Mm -hmm. But right now, we've not had an extinction event. So we just have diversity. So it's there's a really good chance you may train better with one method than me. You may have, I mean, you could mm -hmm. be a vegan. I could be a carnivore. We could be on the same team. One of us reacts better to strength and the other one reacts better to power. It's right. the job. I, I really think it's, the, let, me, let me take a step back. Mm -hmm. It's the opportunity for a sports scientist, a strength coach, sports scientist. And let's talk about the difference between the two. Yeah. Um, it's the opportunity for a good one to say, oh, you're better off train. Let's let's go this direction with you. And here are the indicators we're going to track to make sure you're moving that direction. Mm, okay. Yeah, that was my my kind of thought behind the the strength coach versus sports scientist. I think it's an interesting thing, and I agree. Let me. This is what you know brought to my mind. Let me tell. Let me ask you if you think I'm right. Is a strength coach? We can get dogmatic in our viewpoints based on what's worked for us, what's worked for people in the past. You know, I used to crack what up. What church that, did you come out of? Exactly. It's funny when I first got into uh, personal training. I was at a place where, which was huge in FMS. So I learned from Gray Cook and Brett and everybody yeah, there and, love that. and phenomenal stuff. But I got really good at knowing how to correct shoulder mobility. So yeah. I would almost instinctively be <laughs> looking for a shoulder issue with people that I was working with because that's what I knew I was really good at. I could fix right. that in two seconds. Right. Where if you think of yourself as a sports scientist, there's no dogma. You're just looking for what is the best approach to it. So I think that happens, right? As we, we go in with if you go in with a bias of what you think you want to see or what you think is going to happen, then you're kind of looking for opportunities to be right in your own mind. And, and you know what? You'll find them. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we call confirmation bias. That's yes. what we, what you, you get that now. Now, and again, the, the a hard hand, uh, you know, listen, this is an evolved position for me. Um, in, in 2016, um, when I was at OSU, OSU had a situation where we had a university supplied strength and conditioning coach. We had a strength and conditioning coach that was coming to us via our Olympic training center. So we had what's called an RTC and th that was working with guys that may not, that were not touched by the uh, university guy. And then I had, I had an Olympic gold medalist that had his own guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Am I going to tell him, Oh, you got to follow this program. Oh, hell no. Right. Um, the three programs were distinctly different, um, distinctly different three. I mean, distinctly different, like Judaism, Christianity, and Muslim, um, mm -hmm. and Islam. I mean, that that's the difference. Um, all Abrahamic, but certainly different in how they right. express. Um, and they came to me and they said, which one should we use? I said, I pick one coin flip. And they thought, really? And I said, I said, let's, let's let the guys choose. So the last year I was there in the 17-18 season, um, we qualified 10 guys for nationals. First time in school history, we qualified our whole starting lineup. Of the 10 guys, the strength coaches broke out 3-3-4. Three, three, 
as evenly distributed as you can get um, with 10 guys. Wow. We had eight All-Americans, most in school history. Strength coach distribution, two, two, three. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you think your program is good. Great. The other guy's program is good too. The problem is we all work in this normal curve. Your program may be working great on that first standard deviation away from the mean, but you guys got, you've got guys out here in the third standard deviation of that curve that are maladapting to your program. You've got to be able to see that. And, and, and we have, and again, we, I sent you the video that we did and we, yeah. I think we put it in the show notes of that presentation. Yeah. I'll yeah. put it in the show notes. It's awesome of how, you know, just the breakdown of all the different quadrants of it. Yeah. And, and so this is the thing you've always got to remember, Michael, I was not a very talented, listen, I was a decent high school wrestler. Um, I walked on at Ohio state and but I had never won a match in the state tournament. I'd qualified for the state tournament twice. I never won a match. I lost in the first round both times. Just I just shit my pants. Mm-hmm. Um, but I walk into this wrestling room full of state champions. Okay, just full of them. Um, I, I probably shouldn't have been there, but I just kept sticking around. I kept mm-hmm. showing up. I, 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 turn, I turn everything into a math problem. Mm-hmm. What do I need to compete? Well, you got to get stronger. What's the element? You fix it. Then I had to deal with psychology. Then I had to do with some technical tactical. And, and I wound up being very successful. I think arguably one of the most successful guys to have never won a match in the state tournament to go on and wrestle him, you know, <laughs> at, at a collegiate level. But, you know, I, I moved my needle dramatically through the scientific process. Mm-hmm. And this is, and I think this is where strength coaches have to go back to. So I'll, I'll close this loop a yeah. little bit. What is science? Well, science is a process where we hypothesize, we design an experiment, we execute the experiment, we collect the data, and we analyze it. String coaches do the first three. They hypothesize, what's it take to be, to be a better athlete? They create an experiment. Here's the exercises you should do. We put them through the weight room. Decent string coaches at least record what they're doing in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Bad string coaches don't. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you become a scientist when you take that data and you analyze it. Okay. Mm -hmm. What did, and and this was, listen, this was a breakthrough for me in 2017 when we did our three cohorts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, That was, that was, that was, that was completely game changing for me. Okay. And when I went and, and I had a coach at the time, Tom Ryan, very visionary coach, very good coach. And he was hell bent on putting a bench press sign up on the wall in the wrestling room. And I'm like, over my dead body, I will not accept that. Um, Because I don't mind bench pressing. Don't get me wrong. Do it as an exercise. Okay. Right. But the value of it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't celebrate it. Celebrate what makes a difference. Um, So, and I think this isn't, that's the difference because, and then we just kept hypothesizing and hypothesizing, okay, if this is what we saw, what do we do now? And we make data-driven decisions. They don't have to be peer-reviewed. They don't have to be, but you're at least using data. If the best guy on the team, if the worst guy on the team has the best bench press, that's an outlier, okay? You got to question that. Um, And so going back and using this, and this is the difference between a scientist and a coach. Okay. The scientist takes the data, analyzes it, comes up with ways to, to figure it out. 
and and make better decisions the next time they design their program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I remember too, you said in the video that you sent me over of all this breakdown, you said got to a point where you could predict who was going to win the tournament by the end, by just seeing the HRV numbers. We could win. Yeah. HRV. Became, uh, so just to give the audience a background, mm -hmm. my, my second run with Ohio state 15 through 18. And again, you'll see this in the video. If you watch it, uh, the coach brought me an athlete that was struggling. They'd taken him through the medical system at Ohio state. No one could tell him what was wrong. Um, I, I'm, I have a lab. I had a lab in my house. I'm mm -hmm. one of those kinds of people. Um, so, and I've also, you listen, I also had a blessing in the past. I had the opportunity to go work for polar electro, the heart rate monitor company. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was amazing. It was my introduction to wearables and what comes from it. And I was like, oh my God, this can be so beneficial. Mm -hmm. That was my introduction to HRV. Polar had HRV technology built into their technology. No one knew about it. Um, right. Okay. That was my introduction. And then as I moved away from Polar, other companies came along and I was like, okay. And so this particular athlete walks into my facility at nine or 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, 48 hours after a dual meet that he barely won. I think he won by one, but stole it with an escape late in the match. Um, and his HRV, his RMSSD HRV in the morning was 10 milliseconds. That's, that's an HRV we expect when a tiger walks through the door. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is a full sympathetic drive. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I had him go lay down. Uh, HRV goes up to about a hundred milliseconds. As soon as he stands up, it drops back down to 10. Um, at the time we were calling overtraining syndrome, a five stage process. This would have put him in stage four or stage five. It's very late in it. And um, we we did some more testing. He did about half of what he should be. I mean, he's classic overtrained athlete. Okay. And I, I said to the coach, I said, you can't train this guy like you train everybody else. He's maladapting to your training. You have to train him for what he's ready for. It's a talented kid. He's three-time Pennsylvania state champion. Right. They don't come along very often. Mm -hmm. Um and um, so he said, well, I said, we have to take, we have to train him for what he's ready for. So with a little, we took a couple of weeks to get all the technology in place. A good friend of mine, Trish Sterling, it was at Omega wave at the time. She sent me one of the early Omega wave units, the new version of the units mm -hmm. that we used with him. And we measured HRV every morning. And before practice, I modified nine workouts for this guy, which ran from you're not wrestling live today. All you're doing is drilling. Um, while the rest of the team is bleeding on the mats, I've got this guy over on the side, just drilling, keeping his heart rate under 162. Okay. Um, because his, his physiology would not support the bleeding. It would only support the drilling. Um, and we, you could see it and you see it in the video. You see the HRV constantly improve. We were able to send this kid to nationals. Uh, he came to me with a morning HRV of 10. We sent him to nationals with a main morning HRV of 75 and he made all American. Um, and this was, this was a real awakening moment for myself to the coaching staff that even though I'm an alumnus, mm -hmm. I've got my name on the wall in the facility um, I'm still, I'm still the old guy in the room. Right. Um, 
And, um, and they're like, what is this voodoo this guy's got? And all of a sudden they see this like, okay, what's going on here? And that, that got, that got me the acceptance in the coaching staff. Um, and, you know, wrestling coaches are hard ass. I mean, they, they really can be. Um, and so then we just kept building on the data and we got to where we put in a, a high level HRV program. We measured HRVs either first thing in the morning or right before practice mm-hmm. for our top 16 guys. 16 is the number of guys you can travel with according to the NCAA. Okay. So that's why, that's why we arrived at that number. Um, and um, I, we listen, you cannot send a wrestler. If your wrestler qualifies for the national tournament, they're probably technically and tactically good enough to be there. The question as to whether they make all American or not is their ability to win five matches mm. in three days. Um, that's resiliency. That's your ability to recover either in to, the match to bounce back, right. mm-hmm. or between the matches. And the guy with the highest, the guy with the highest HRV team was our Olympic gold medalist. That was our first sign that this is an issue. And mm. then we start collecting this data. And these observations didn't happen in one year. These happened over four years. I started, I started seeing trends. And as a coach, you know, you may not have this kind of super talent in your room, but you've got to aggregate data over years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think this is, I think this is, listen, if I'm on this podcast to yeah. talk to strength coaches who are trying to grow their careers, your ability to manage and understand data can be an absolute differentiator. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, could I do it by myself? No, I had to go get an intern from the school of business. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I, I, every good strength coach should have a team of geeks. Um, mm-hmm. People who listen, if you're in a college, even a high school college, regardless you're at, there are so many people who want to be part of what you have. That's why you have managers. That's why you have these things. Right. Well, there's a group of intellectuals who are not good enough to be athletes, but want to be associated with what you do. Um, mm-hmm. And when you when you empower them with their secret weapon, with their secret power, data management. And I had a guy. Yeah. Um, we were measuring, like I said, we we're measuring three and a half million data points. I had no budget for software. Okay, I had none. I didn't have an athlete management system. I did. Um, it was there, there's issues to go with that, but mm-hmm. we did it all with Google. I okay. had mm-hmm. this kid tied. We had six different. Our, we had to use six different Google Sheets because one Google Sheet couldn't hold all the data we were collecting. Mm-hmm. We were reaching the limits of Google. So we had to bolt together multiple sheets. To I couldn't do that on my own. Right. This kid, and then we wrote, he wrote code for me that I had my own dashboard. Um, I'd go in, we used managers, like every day a wrestler weighs in. Okay, that's part of the sport. What we found is the wrestlers that cut the least amount of weight were more successful than the ones that cut big weight. So literally we started giving feedback to coaches and athletes. Okay. Here's, here's where we see the range is. You're either above it. You're good. You know? So it, that was just the simple stuff. Right. Um, but it was with a it's a Davidson basketball. They have a mm-hmm. program and Davidson's famous because it's where Seth Curry went. To, yes. Went Seth Curry. To, yep. They have a whole team of, geeks of support people analyzing film breaking things down you know uh i i love the scene in in uh, is it return of the titans uh uh remembering the titans yeah um 
when uh, when they go in, the head coach goes in and throws the the paper on the uh, defensive coordinator's yeah. table, and he says, "All the math teacher did the yeah. tendencies for us." Yep. Yeah. That's empowering assets around you that cost nothing. Yeah. Okay. I brought my managers in. They got a they 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 got a varsity letter, and if we won a national title or a Big Ten title, they got a ring, and you know they but they got they got to be part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you build those teams, it's it's the data that you get that you can use to make decisions and do analyses. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to do this yourself. Right. Build your team. That's awesome. And it is, it's data is so powerful and it's uh, it's amazing what we can find out now with so much wearable technology. The question I had with the HRV and the the kid who was overtraining, did he feel different at all? Like in, like, did he feel like I was, no. I'm good to go. Like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm good. To- he, if, if you, if you give a wrestler an opportunity, they will gut themselves on a daily basis. Yeah. If you give a good wrestler the opportunity, mm-hmm. that's, that's the nature. That's the dogma of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was working, I'll, I'll tell you another HRV example. Yeah. I was, um, I was working with a, a, a friend of mine that's a personal trainer in Columbus. He had a guy that's a bodybuilder that, that was talented, but was struggling. He couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I wire this guy up with a first beat system. First beat has a, has a wearable that you can measure 24 or 48 hours mm-hmm. worth of data. I wire this guy up for a couple of days and it comes back. His HRVs are low, but I see his nighttime HRVs. I'm like, what are you doing at night? Um, and mm. he's like, well, I don't, I don't have a place to live. This guy's homeless. So he's going to different girlfriends to live at night. Well, they have expectations. Um, he's delivering the expectation, but it's taking. And I'm like, like, dude, if you want to be successful, you gotta, you gotta sleep all night. Yeah. You know, I with 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 that first speed system, I got to where I could tell whether my wrestlers were in bed with a partner or not. Not that I saw anything going on, but mm-hmm. listen, if you got an 18 to 22 year old in bed with a sexual partner. Mm-hmm. And you're asleep. If that person moves, your subconscious says, "Hey, get on that." Right. Um, and 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 when they're sleeping with their partners, they don't drop into a deep sleep for at least four hours. Um, I had to teach my guys to sleep on their own when they could. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had one wrestler. It was cute. He was living with his girlfriend, who's now become his wife. And I said, I said, do you do you have an extra bedroom in your house? He said, No, we live in a one bedroom apartment. I'm like, Okay, I'm just trying to figure out how you can get better sleeping. And he goes, well, I can ask my girlfriend to sleep on the couch. I'm like, well, <laughs> um, that's not going to, that's not going to solve the problem. Um, it's a know. different type of stress you're going into, but yes, exactly. I can, well, stay where you're at. Um, we'll fix this another way. Um, but, uh, that was, that was one of the cute examples. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how, like, you don't, you don't think of these things of that your body's tracking data all over, like, like everything that you do throughout the day. And there's ways to track that down with, with the knowledge that you have on wearable technology now, is there certain ones that are better for tracking HRV, like for not just the coach, but just the general person that's going out wanting to improve this? Yeah, right right now, my recommendation is Whoop. Is Whoop. Um, mm-hmm. no, excuse me, Aura. Aura, My okay. recommendation is not Whoop. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me be clear there. It is not Whoop. It is Aura. Okay. Um, Aura has really good tech. 
Um, their results are really good. They've got good dashboards. They've got, there's a lot going on here. The, the thing, first of all, it's good tech. But second of all, it is easy. You slip this on and you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my first recommendation um, is, 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 is Aura. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other good platforms. You know, listen, you put Aura on everybody on your team, it's pricey. Um, right. Most people don't have a budget for it. Now, let's be really careful here. Uh, it's also not shareable, meaning that this ring won't fit you, won't fit another mm-hmm. teammate. Um, I really like on a team setting, I'll tell you, I really like First Beat. Um, great company, good, some of the leading tech in the space. I mean, it's a Finnish company. They've been purchased by Garmin. Um, so I, I'm, ten, I'm tending to... I'm liking Garmin technology a lot more mm-hmm. since they bought First Beat. Um, so from a coaching standpoint, I tend to lead towards First Beat. My daughter is coaching up at Northwestern. Um, she's the director of player development for the women's lacrosse program. They were looking, they said we want to integrate tech, um, went over it with them on. They wound up selecting First Beat. First Beat not only gives you heart rate in, in the game or in practice, but they have a technology that's called a, 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 a QRT, quick recovery test. So when I'm starting practice, and this is what we did with the wrestling team, we had Omega Wave at the time. And I don't, Omega Waves, I don't have a problem with mm-hmm. Omega Wave. Um, I don't think all their tech fits all the time. Their HRV is very good. Um, but um, we measured our 16 guys before practice usually and came in as a one-on-one. I had to have a, I had an iPod touch for each device that, so, so I had 16 guys. Mm. So I usually had eight guys measuring in two different cohorts as they came in the room. Um, first beat, I can put that transmitter on you and I can measure a QRT on the whole team at one time using mm. the same transmitter that I'm collecting HR, HR data with. Um, so I, I like that a lot. And if you have the software, then you can bolt their bodyguard into that and do longer studies if you have someone that's an outlier. So, so Aura, First Beat, love them. I'm constantly evaluating new tech, new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, I just found a company this weekend coming out of the Netherlands that I'm evaluating their technology right mm-hmm. now. It looks very promising. Um, there's a lot of technology I don't touch. Um, and mm-hmm. it, and it's based on the ability. There's a lot of these HRV. Te- um, let me tell you another one. If you want to go kind of, if you want to learn about this, I love the team at Elite HRV. Um, mm. Elite HRV, um, you can, it's a free app on your phone. If you have a polar transmitter, you can't use any transmitter with these guys. You have to have a transmitter that's, that's broadcasting at a certain hertz for it to be quality. So I, I recommend a Polar H8 or H10. Mm-hmm. It's a fifty to an eighty dollar heart rate transmitter. Yep. Okay? So, and it and 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 you can put it on an app on your phone, and you start to figure out how does this work. Um, I, it's a huge mistake to say we're starting an HRV study program with our team and try and throw a bunch of tech at it. It'll fail every time. Yeah. My advice is if you're a coach and you want to look at this, learn about yourself first, mm-hmm. get the tech, learn about it on yourself first. Then what you're looking for is you're looking for an athlete that's struggling. You're looking for someone that, man, there's something going on here. I don't know what it is. You know, Michael, when I was, when I was wrestling back in the early eighties, 
we had guys come into our wrestling room that were incredibly talented. I mean, they were, they were amazing. I mean, these mm-hmm. were, these guys should have gone on to be national titleists. Mm-hmm. And for one reason or they just disappeared from our program. Um, and well, this is someone that snapped. I mean that, and listen, at the time, if you know, Ohio state and wrestling, you know, we had sure. an issue with what, with our team doc, um, there was stuff going on there and some people don't transition well from high school to college. Yeah. Um, it's a hard, you have to coach that. Don't, yeah. if, if you're the coach and this is the blue chip recruit, you can't leave it to everybody else. You have to say, okay, let's help this person manage stress. Let's help this person develop the skills. You know, I had, I had, I had one athlete that, um, Okay, how do I say this? Um, he came from a traumatic household. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously abusive, obviously, with with every observation you make. And trauma affects athletes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trauma affects everybody. Right. You know, so you, you have part of your brain that's called the amygdala. And this is your fear sensing part of the brain. And the amygdala has a has a molecule in it. It's called anandamide. Anandamide is what's called an endocannabinoid. It's it's a it's a molecule that your body makes, typically made during exercise. So this is one of the benefits of exercise. In fact, I think the endocannabinoid system, part of your nervous system called the mm-hmm. endocannabinoid system, should be chapter two of exercise 101. Right. It yeah. Is, it is the benefit of exercise. But um but what we know in fear conditioned mice and dogs, if I take a mouse or a dog and I put it in a cage and I elect and I put electric shocks through the floor, this animal becomes what's called fear conditioned. If we look at the anandamide in their brain, there's a drop, it drops and it does not return. Um, so when we take a human and we traumatize them, let's take humans in the 60s. And let's pick them up from casual lives in the United States and let's drop them into Vietnam. Right. Okay. And and if you're born in a rattlesnake pit, the only way you survive is through hypervigilance. You have to be hypervigilant. Okay. If I get out of the rattlesnake, let's say I move in with a house full of bunnies. Okay. The amygdala does not return. Right. Hypervigilance stays there. So all you can do is help. Now, why why do Vietnam vets smoke so much pot? Mm-hmm. The cannabinoid helps mediate the hypervigilance of the decreased anandamide in the amygdala. That's why Vietnam vets smoke so much pot. Okay, we traumatize them. Is that where the term why? cannabis comes from? Endocannabinoid yeah. system came from the study of cannabis. Mm. So we identified anandamide and 2-AG. There's six, there's six ligands that fit in this family. We recognize them because we started to study why does cannabis have the effect it does? Um, it's why we do what, yeah. listen, again, that's the long, the long journey I've been on. <laughs> you know, as, as an HRV person, I started getting questions when I was at Ohio State. Hey, what do you know about pot and, and mm-hmm. HRV? And I'm like, my guys are NCAA athletes. <laughs> we can, they don't smoke pot. Right. right? They shouldn't. Um, but um, I had people reaching out. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's something here. I don't know what it is. There's something here. Michael, I, uh, a good friend of mine that I'd worked with in a, wear, a, a wearable company in New Mexico, he had gone into cannabis. 
he's he's sending me stuff. I'm learning things. And he gives me an opportunity to go work in the cannabis business. Mm-hmm. And I took it. Um, I said, there's something here. And the amount that you, when I jumped into the deep end of the pot pool, what I learned was incredible. Mm-hmm. Cannabis is an amazing molecule. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cannabinoids and terpenoids are amazing molecules. And, you know, one of the reasons we're talking today is, is the company I'm with, we've created a, a nutritional supplement that's called HRV plus right. mm-hmm. it's a nutritional supplement designed to raise HRV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made of a, a cannabis extract that has CBD, CBDA, another terpene that's called beta caryophylline. It's called a dietary cannabinoid. And this is all carried in a carrier oil of DHA, EPA, omega-3 fats. Um, by the way, omega-3 fats in the process of resolving inflammation becomes anandamide. Well, I take that back. Omega-6 becomes arachidonic acid. Arachidonic acid then mm-hmm. becomes anandamide. It resolves. So one of the challenges with training and recovery is not just applying stress, but it's providing an environment nutritionally, phenotypically, right. that gives the individual the ability to recover. And, and your endocannabinoid system is part of what's doing this. Mm-hmm. It's critical. So if you don't now... W- w- if you have too many omega-6s in your diet, it blunts the omega-3. Yep. You've got to get the omega-3s up to drive the resolution process of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've just, with HRV+, Plus, we've just created a nutritional supplement that's working like pot for a Vietnam vet. It's, that's amazing. It's applying the necessary ligands so that your system can act normally. Um, yeah. And that's, and so you know what, that's, that's where science takes you. It's science takes you to the place when you want, there's, there's something there. I knew there was something there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had, again, I was blessed with an opportunity. I took it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a lifelong learner. I mean, I moved to Florida for a year. My wife lived in Ohio. My daughter lived in Ohio. So I was, I was essentially living by myself so I could read and study and do all I wanted. My my apartment mm-hmm. looked like Breaking Bad. I was trying to figure <laughs> out cannabis. Um, how does it work? Not just the psychotropic parts of it, but also the other physiological responses. Yeah. Um, and um, and and that's and that's what's brought us to where we're at today is creating mm-hmm. the supplement that yeah. we're we're pretty excited about. That's so interesting. You know, it is. It's so it's fascinating to me because being a coach for almost 15 years now, like I've, you know, you learn the science behind it, but then there's an art to it. And we can even get dogmatic on that as coaches thinking it's, it's all the art, it's all the, the artistic, the creative side of it. And those kids that, you know, that kid, they just have it. Like you always hear that they just have it. It's like, well, yeah, they might have some genetic ability right off the, but the more data, the more science you get into. I remember when I had my friend Antonio Scolante, who's a phenomenal researcher from USC, all about athlete readiness. It's like, no, we can find out all about this shit. We don't have to just guess in our head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to learn these things and know that, no, there's like, I've, I've had that back and forth of like, is wearable technology good or bad? It's like, well, it's the wrong question. Like it's more information that you can get. It's a tool. 
Exactly. Listen, I can use a tool to build a house or I could use a tool to hit someone in the head and kill them. 100. Okay? Yeah. It's how you use the tool. There's a good and a bad to everything. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, and this is the opportunity that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, and again, kind of going back to the theme that we started early on question is, are you going to be a strength coach and your knowledge stops by counting 45, 25, 10, five, two and a half. If the, if you're only going to use five numbers, well, then you're going to be a coach and you're going to be, you're going to be threatened by the, the, the barrier to entry to strength coaching is very low. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's very low personal mm-hmm. training. strength. Coaching. I mean, listen, if you know your way around the weight room, you're moderately attractive and, and you've got to, and, and you can friend well, well, you're started. The question is, how do you proceed? How do you move up? And your ability right. to, again, I was the third standard deviation to the right of the mean. Okay. I was the guy that should not have been successful. And it was only through my parents uh, basically digging into us and saying a relentless, uh, a relentless pursuit. You know, once you, once we get on it, you just don't stop. And constantly ask, what do I have to do next? Let's figure this out. Everything is an equation. Everything Mm -hmm. is an equation. Solve for the variable that needs solved for, fix that variable, go find the next variable. Yeah. I love it. Don, I've taken so many notes. This has been absolutely amazing. And I'm going to have to have you back on for for part two here because we got through half of the things I wanted to dive in with you on. So absolutely. I really, I appreciate you talking to me today. It's been a blast having you on and, uh, all the work with H. I'm, I'm curious to know more about HRV plus about spermidine, everything that you're doing. I think it's awesome. So modemethod.com, www.modemethod.com. Um, if people have questions, listen, you can find me on all the social platforms. I'm Don Moxley on yep. Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. I don't spend much time on Facebook. Facebook is not a good platform to find me on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I get a look at Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn most days. Don't be afraid to send a note. You know, I've, I mm-hmm. pride myself. I have several people out there said, Hey, I sent this guy a note on, on LinkedIn and he responded to it. Um, I do that. Um, if you have questions because I learned Michael, you know, listen, mm-hmm. I, every time you have a new situation, it's a new set of data that if you put in and you learn from it. So I'm, and, and if it's, when it comes to uh mode method, um, you can find that HRV plus at modemethod.com. You know, mm-hmm. we, we still haven't even touched spermidine. So that's what we'll, well, till next time we'll get part two in here. And uh, yeah, the, the video you sent me, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So listeners, if you want to go get all into the deep data of the OSU work that Don did, go check that out. It's phenomenal video that he sent over and uh, Don, dude, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it, brother. Michael, it's really nice to meet you and and, uh, be introduced to your clan. And so I'm excited to continue this. Awesome. All right. Bye, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait, go now.
Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.